everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. Happy New Year, everybody. And, uh, well, today, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Randy Donowitz. Randy helps to generate online content for advanced aquarists under the Reefs.com banner, and he helps to coordinate the Manhattan Reefs frag swaps in New York City, although there hasn't been a frag swap, I guess, Randy, since before the pandemic, right? Correct. And um, Randy is also the main caretaker of the aquariums at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. He has been in the hobby a very long time. How many years, uh, Randy, have you been in this hobby, would you say? I think I entered uh, late 1994, so whatever you do the math. Yeah. A long time. Edging towards 30 years, I guess. Yeah, me too. Um, And finally, Randy was my first ever guest on Rappin' with Reef Bum back in April 2020, right when the pandemic hit. (laughs) That was right after the pandemic. (laughs) Right after the pandemic hit. So I see there's a whole bunch of folks coming into the live stream and see some familiar uh, faces in there. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. But before we... Start talking with Randy. I want to thank the sponsors for the show, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Really appreciate those companies supporting the show, and I also appreciate all you folks out there tuning in. And um, really looking forward to having some great shows in 2022. But as always, everybody, please add your comments or questions to the chat. We'll do our best to to field them. So, Randy, man, it's uh, I think the last time we did talk is uh, was was back in in april of 2020 during the live stream because there wasn't uh, there hasn't been a manhattan uh, reef frag swap so you um when we were talking there was a there was a lot going on there, this world was there was a lot of question marks happening and and um we yeah we were we were reeling here in new york city april 2020 let's see the city basically shut down on my birthday which was march 14th 2020 <laughs> supposed to be my 60th birthday celebration and literally uh the city shut down completely and it was still pretty much totally shut down when we spoke last i guess um and stayed that way for quite a while <laughs> it was a very intense time at that time it's quite it's very different now yeah um, you know so the last time we, we uh we were talking we were really kind of you had a major um issue because the Pratt Institute essentially shut down, right? The, uh, they sent the students home, like pretty much every right. college and university out there. Yet you had a whole bunch of tanks that needed tending to, yet um, you needed to figure out a way to do that. And that was very difficult. Yeah, it was to- absolutely a challenge. Um, um, as we were talking casually before, it, my situation is kind of the reverse of what most hobbyists seem to have experienced during COVID, which was spending a lot of time at home, having a lot of time with your tanks and uh, getting to really work on them, improve them, rebuild them, redesign, um, acquire new things. Normally, my tanks are at my place of work, so I'm around them all day. So I have the advantage to most people. But once the Institute shut down, um, it was a real struggle. I was able to get permission to come onto campus to do basic, really basic maintenance. 
Um, um, fortunately, they allowed me to do that, but I did not have time to really do proper maintenance and to really keep up with things, you know, and combining that with the sort of commitments to my family who had uh, sort of left the city um, in, in the thick of it. Fortunately, we had a place to be. So I was splitting my time between where they were north of the city and then coming down to be in the city. And, you know, so it, it, logistically, it was quite challenge and for those that don't know we're not just talking about one tank we're talking about multiple systems <laughs> and multiple systems that i usually have the assistance of numerous students helping me maintain and none of them were around either so it basically all fell to me in a very kind of stressful and haphazard way with uh, as i guess we'll discuss not particularly great results <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how um, how often were you able to get in at first, and and then uh, you know over the months that ensued? Well, I mean, at the very beginning, you know, I would kind of run in and really just like you know make sure water top off feet and you know whatever whatever simple stuff I could do, and then just sort of bail. And you know, I do I was able to kind of uh, get a hold of some automated uh, water top off equipment, some auto feeders and that kind of thing, and was able to put systems, you know, uh, semi-automated um, anyway. Um, and then after things settled down after a couple of months, you know, access um, was less of a problem and I was able to actually be around. But there were all kinds of other logistical problems about, you know, making enough water to be able to not only just do top-offs in all these systems, but if I'm using all my water for top-off, then I don't have any water for water changes. Right. And that, you know, so it's just, you know, and it, it's one of those things where I, I couldn't, you know, I can't just like leave an RO running unattended, no. even like auto shut off stuff at my place of work. You no. know, it's just not possible. It's just not worth the risk basically. Um, so that became one of the real big challenges is actually enough water to do water changes, even if I had the time. Um, so that was a challenge, you know, and then, you know, we got to the point where I was around quite a bit more, uh, but the tanks had taken such a hit yeah. that I became really sort of demoralized, you know, and it was kind of like, totally understandable. Like, yeah, like I couldn't, I couldn't be around enough and I couldn't sort of muster all the resources or people to help me to do the really big reboot that needed to be done to save systems. And it really all I could do was sort of triage stuff yeah. and it just slowly faded over time. Um, not everything, but nothing crashed. There was no like hard crash of any system. It was just slow attrition over the course of a year or more than a year. And it became very sort of dispiriting, uh, to be honest, at a certain point. And, and I was kind of looking back on it now that it's sort of uh, been uh, reinvigorated a little bit. Um, one of the things that was dispiriting about it, for me at least, is one of the reasons the tanks are in my office is because I get to share them with a lot of people. And that, for me, is one of the biggest joys of reef keeping, is sharing my tanks with uh, not only other hobbyists, but non-hobbyists, students on campus, uh, just people in the community, kids uh, that used to come by from the community and whatnot. And there was none of that for a year. Mm -hmm. There was like close to a year I was literally the only person in the building. Wow. Uh, and that for me was just sort of like, why am I doing this? It was, <laughs> it's a very you know, lonely it feeling. Like, it was a kind of very lonely and very dispiriting. And like the tanks would just look worse. And I just didn't like, you know, then sort of uh, 
Lars set in after that, to quote Joe Ayulo, Lars, lazy ass reefer syndrome uh, <laughs> set in. And I just didn't want to like do what needed to be done. You know, it was almost like a reefing depression, I guess. Kind well, of yeah, like. I mean, that that is definitely a very real thing. I mean, you know, when when things aren't going well with, you know, one of my tanks, I definitely, you know, it. I was talking about this with the with, with Sanjay when I had him on a few weeks ago. It's like you get depressed if something's not going right. But man, you had a lot. You had a lot that was uh, you were up against. So mm-hmm. it, um, I don't know how you'd really manage not to avoid any crashes because, I mean, I'm with my tanks like all the time. And if one little thing goes wrong or if one little hiccup is happening, I'm, I'm there to kind of like course correct or make that adjustment, you know, on the fly. I mean, I get very nervous when I go away for vacation for a week, you know, right. and sure. I have somebody that's kind of like a house sitter or somebody that's just coming over to the house to, to feed the fish. And I got controllers set up and I got webcam set up, but I still get nervous because it all it takes is like one little hiccup in something that you don't right. anticipate that probably, uh, you know, can't, you know, not everything can be covered with uh, automation and monitoring and all that stuff. It's just, it's. No, I, I agree completely. Yeah, I don't know. You know, for me, like I did lose all my acros. You know, you, you can see my background and I think you'll show some videos later of what my tanks used to look like. It used to be like wall to wall acros, you know. <laughs> well, your background. You have zero acros left, but it's not like they all crashed at the same time. They just slowly faded away. Well, the, the background. Um, on your screen right there that's pratt reef that's a 240 gallon that was i guess in its glory there right with with the uh yeah that's from that photo i think it's from 2017 or 2018 so yeah that was pretty much the pinnacle i mean this tank's been set up in various formats since 2006 I i'm think. showing some so. video now of um pratt reef the 240 gallon tank pre-covid so i think this was in the fall of 2019 yeah, that sounds right. You know, when... Yeah, I can't, I can't see what you're saying. Yeah, so. I'll, um, <laughs> I, you know, I could just kind of describe. You got, um, you know, it's it's it, we're, we're just looking at a mixed reef, beautiful uh, red Ganeapora, looks like a lynx-eye cap, that um, right. beautiful uh, Durosser clam. Did, did that clam make it? The clam did not. The Ganeapora did. Though. Oh, wow. That is, that is one of the few stony corals I still have, as you will see in the in the current video. Um. Yeah, beautiful uh, clownfish and <clears throat> some uh, hammer corals. Love the uh, African uh, leopard wrasses you got whipping around there. I yeah, those those all survived. Yep. And the the clowns just spawned yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, sweet. Yeah. No, and that um, that was a beautiful tank. So that was it. About um, I guess two years ago. So let's. Right. Um, you sent me some video. Of the tank now and it's pretty much a softy only tank right you said you got some ganiapore in there still yeah yeah i um basically i decided given the sort of precarious nature of our situation um we could be shut down again at any time i didn't want to kind of i didn't have it in me to try to rebuild this as as, as a an sps reef where I, I really needed to simplify it I needed a I needed a tank that if it didn't get the the required amount of attention it would it would do okay for for a bit uh, in in case that that situation occurred again. So I had a bunch of these sort of large softy corals in another tank and um, 
the fine folks at Alyssa's Seahorse Savvy offered to donate a bunch of Gorgonians to me. And I figured I, I could put together a really nice sort of old school system, which kind of had its appeal to me in, in a number of ways, um, composed of mostly soft corals, mushrooms, Gorgonians, things that, uh, you know, as we all know, really don't require that, <laughs> that, that much attention. No. And, and I think in, in my situation, sharing it with uh, students and a lot of people that are not hobbyists in some ways are maybe more attractive than the, than the, the, the acro reef. Uh, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot, you know, sort of. Uh, well, it's it's got a different kind of appeal to it. It's yeah. it's interesting because whenever I have people come over and see my tanks, the uh, the thing that always gets them are the uh, the LPS or the Gowney Pour or whatever the uh, the things that are moving. And I was like, come on, right. aren't you looking at the beautiful uh, Acropora there? I mean, that, that's that's the highlight of this tank. And they're like, oh, I love the uh, the movement, you know. Right. So, yeah, I mean, what, what's the first thing people see when they see my tank? They see the two clownfish. I mean, that's, you know, they gravitate to what they sort of know. Um, and that's fine. So what I set out to do with this tank really was, uh, first of all, it needed, the system really needed a, a, an almost total reboot, which I couldn't quite pull off logistically, but I came close. I was able to change out about three quarters of the rock and uh, about 80% of the sand. Wow. Um, so how did you go about doing so, that? Uh, well, finally, I was able to get some people on campus <laughs> to help me. So that, that was, you know, students were back. And, you know, so we, I had a bunch of hands. I literally just uh, just pulled it out. You know, I just pulled it all out. Um, and Why did, why did uh, you want to pull it out? Because it was just kind of encrusted with a lot of acros? It was just... Um... Oh, well, the sand bed was ancient, first okay. of all. But the yeah, biggest problem that happened to this reef, just to backtrack a little bit, other than, uh, you know, just slow attrition, was there was a massive, what turned into a massive infestation of curly Q anemones, oh. Bartholomew, oh. and, um, and Aptasias. But I mean, massive infestation. I mean, like thousands of oh. them. There was no way to treat. There was no, like, yeah. you know, there was no getting around it. So, you know, the reality is I should have pulled everything out but there was no logistical way for me to hold all the fish, hold whatever corals were still alive and, you know, and do it. So I, I kind of tried to find a way to not completely destroy the cycle of the tank and be able to keep the things that were living and thriving in the tank, in the tank when I, when I redid it. So I was able to pull out, um, most of the rocks that had most of the pests on it and i was able to pull out the sand bed and just uh, dump new sand in it was cloudy it really wasn't that i mean uh, the the physical day of doing it was a pain yeah but it, it really didn't take that long to settle down or, or clear and i didn't lose any organisms oh nice um, during what uh, yeah. what kind of rock did you put in its place was that um live rock or did you put dry rock in there it was dry rock. Hmm. Um, it was uh, the Carib Sea Reef rock. Um, you know, I was able to use some college budget, and that's what was easy to get <laughs> on Amazon. So that's what I did. You know, so not, uh, you know, it wasn't. So a, you a you, um, you kept yeah. some of the uh, you you kept some of the current live rock, so that a lot at least Correct. help seed so the. the uh, like when, when when you see the the video of the tank, you'll see there's like one large sort of like lump of, of reef that's on the left hand, like not the far left, but kind of the middle left side that that's basically untouched. 
So the sand bed is still the same under that rock, and most of that rock is, is just the same rock that's been there forever. And there was a bunch of rock in the sump as well. So that was enough to keep things stable. That uh, The reason why I'm peppering you with questions about that is because we were talking before the show, and, and I am going um, to do a big um, reset on my 187-gallon uh, my tank, and I'm going to take out all the rock. You know, and um, I am going to put dry rock in there, but I've got a plan. I'm not going to divulge that plan right here tonight, but, um, right. you know, I'm, I'm just trying to pump as many fellow reef keepers as possible, uh, you know, for info in terms of how they've done those sorts of, um, you know, uh, midstream reboots for, uh, for reef tanks. But, I'm, you know, I, I think it's very important to, um, to, to try to keep as much of the bacteria intact as possible. Absolutely. Especially if I want to continue to do what I want to do, which is an SPS dominant tank. But the the sand bed, I'm I'm nervous about pulling out. And um, I think what I'll what I'll do in my tank is, um, you know, leave leave most of the sand in there. I've got some sand that's actually calcified. That um, uh, yes, that I'm, I, was, I was just going to say that we literally had um, in some areas four inch thick pieces of concrete. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that had to. Be chiseled out in like bricks really you had to chisel it, it out uh it wasn't easy to get out oh man i, I don't want to hear that randy my, because that's what i'm going to be my, dealing my with. assistant brian the credit i i didn't have the technique to get it out he was able to, he's a lot younger than me he was able to get it out. man see that makes me nervous about having to uh kind of use that kind of force so you drain that tank or did you do this underwater did it underwater did it underwater with a chisel yeah. Oh, man, I mean, that it, scares the not, crap out of me. Not heavy hammering. You're able to sort of like work the chisel in and kind of pry a little bit. You know, you got to, you have to sort of finesse it a little I just, bit. I just you, figure when I, when I'm going to, you know, end up doing this and I'm just going to be in there, just jiggle, 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 and it'll come right out. You know, just take. Some sections did. Okay. Maybe you'll get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Again, this was the original sand bed from 2006. So, oh, yeah. Know, all right. This is only like six years old. It, and much of it had been under the rock that I removed. So it was compressed. Yeah. You know, the uh, my my the, the parts of my sand bed that have calcified are pretty much like on the outside of the rock work. So I think it's pretty much I've got sand underneath the rock work and in between the two islands that I have. <clears throat> and then on the corners, I've got this calcified um, sand. So I'd like I definitely would like to get get that uh, swapped out. But, you know, I will put those pieces, uh, you know, into the sump just because I'm, I'm right. assuming there's a lot of good, healthy bacteria. And yeah, I think it's important to maintain, you know, uh, you know, a reasonable amount of what's been really stable for you. I mean, I think, you know, as, as we know more, as we kind of have always known, but we know more and more, really, it's all about bacteria. So, have you know, I've, I've had a lot of discussion on this show about um, bacteria and the importance of um, keeping a healthy population. When I was talking to, to Mike Paletta, you know, he's, he, um, he was talking about how he's he's been conversing with a lot of fellow veteran reef keepers, and it just seems like there's a lot of issues that have been going on with the with the you know among among that crew of folks that have been keeping reef tanks for a very long time. It's like one thing or another, it's dinos, or it could be RTN STN events, which is what he um, you know has been dealing with. Um, mm. You know, bacteria dosing for me was never on my radar until about a year ago. And, right. and um, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts in terms of this whole bacteria dosing and bacteria testing thing that's going on in the hobby? Well, I think, 
I mean, I think it's very interesting. I can't, I don't know that I'm uh, an expert on the subject by any means. I, I do think it's interesting. I think we do know um, that uh, microbiomes in the reef are critically important. Um, I think when we used to have good quality live rock to start systems, yeah. that's sort of took care of itself to a large degree. Right. I think now that most of us are not starting reefs with the high quality live rock, I think um, that becomes a bigger issue. And I think uh, probably some sort, of, some sort of bacterial dosing, I think is probably very important. Which bacteria, how much, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, it's, um, you know. Yeah, I've actually. You know, so it becomes a little more of a crapshoot there, and 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 uh, you know, as, as other folks uh, probably maybe know or don't know, there's another uh, 130 gallon water box tank that was. All right, I'm going to show uh, the uh, I'm going to show the video before um, the pandemic on the water box. So, so this was, yeah. yeah, so this was a, a new system that I set up uh, about a year prior to the pandemic that was really designed to be, uh, you know, kind of big tabling acros to sort of the, the, the acro uh, heaven of my dreams. <laughs> and, but it was a tank that I uh, decided to try to set up bare bottom, which is something I'd never done before. And it was started using all dead rock. Marco and some other rock. Um, well, escape on it. Somebody gave me. Yeah, very happy with the scape. I had all the right equipment. Everything. You know, th there shouldn't be any problem with this system, except <laughs> there was nothing but problems with the system. <laughs> it never settled in. I had a giant di uh, dinoflagellate problem at first. That kind of settled down uh, after uh, several months of playing around with various things, including bacteria. Oh yeah. Um, and, but corals, you know, would, you know, nice, healthy corals would, you know, settle in. They'd look great. And then all of a sudden they'd just start a crap. And I could never really get a handle on why. It was just one of those systems. I think people who've been in the hobby a long time know just sometimes there's something about a system that just doesn't settle down. Right. And this one just never settled down. Never got into and its groove. Never got into its groove, um, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, whatever coral were barely hanging on in there just had no chance at all. Um, it does contain some of my nicer fish, though, and it's actually a... Ventralis anthias are awesome. Yeah, those, that group of ventralis are just How uh, How many did you, um, did you put in, and how many are you, do you have left? I started with seven that I got from Kevin Cohn at Live Aquaria. Um, I believe these are not Cook Islands. They're from the Philippines. And, uh, you know, they're notoriously difficult yeah. um, and with a very uh, poor survival rate. Uh, but when I was chatting with Kevin, he said, you know, I got this group in and they just seem to be the healthiest group I've ever gotten. So I was like, Score. okay, I'll try. <laughs> I'll bite. And he sent me seven and I lost one early on and I still have all the others. Wow. Gorgeous. And a bunch of females and it's been two years, over two years. Wow. Now. And wow. And so they survived the pandemic. I mean, you, you, you basically had an auto feeder going on the, on these fish. That was one of the challenges actually with keeping the tanks because they don't eat. Right. Uh, pellets. They don't eat flake or pellets. Yeah. 
they'll really only wow. eat frozen foods. But they they were solid enough that they could go two or three days without eating if that's what it had to be. Wow, because usually Anthea's on there. I had a you know maybe they were taking some pellets and stuff because I have a, there's a regal angel and a majestic angel and a yellow tang in there as well. Um, so I had a feeder on there for those fish and maybe they were taking some stuff in the interim. It's, it's a little hard to say. I never see them take prepared food like that though. Wow. Um, and interestingly, the male is the pickiest of all of them. I don't know if anybody else has had that experience with them. Um, the male doesn't even like normal mysis shrimp. He likes brine shrimp and, uh, fish eggs. Roe from Reef Nutrition seems to be the thing he likes the most. The smaller females will will take a wider variety of frozen things more readily for some reason. I would have to say that, I, you know, I love Antheus and I've, I've had like not the greatest luck with Antheus. I'm, you know, my best um, success has been with Larotel uh, Antheus. Those seem to like be Antheus that I can keep. Yeah, be, um, sure. I've yeah. tried Bimax a long time ago and, and some other types of uh, Antheus. Uh, can't remember the the other ones that I tried, but um, mm. I I might have tried some ventralis years and years ago, without uh, any luck. But man, those those are gorgeous anthes, and I thought you had to keep them at a um, at a cooler temperature than you normally would. They say that, and you know, I guess I tend to run my tanks around seventy six, seventy seven anyway, which is you know cool ish, I guess. Not maybe the seventy two, seventy four that people seem to recommend for ventralis, but you know, I don't know. Maybe it's that these were from the Philippines and not the Cook Islands. Maybe they're slightly different in their sort of uh, natural habitat. I don't know. I believe uh, Anthony Concialdi is a Long Island reef keeper. He also got a group of the same batch from Kevin, and they're also doing really well for yeah, him. Yeah, um, Jason Langer in the uh, chat has commented, were those the same ventralis that were being conditioned with Andrew's peppermint? A Andrew, um, I had him on um, the 17,000 oh, uh, Sandler, yeah. It's possible. I don't know that for sure, Jason. Um, it's uh, it's entirely possible. Uh, but for whatever reason, they've been super solid, and like uh, I couldn't be uh, happier. Um, so, you know, so the big decision is what to do with this tank now. You know, now that I've got the big reef kind of sorted out, what do I do with this water box that's set up to be an acro heaven, but is really just a fish only tank? Uh, at the moment. So, um, so basically, you've had the um, you know you've had the dry rock in there for a, how many years now? It's like two years. Two years. Now. So you know maybe yeah, you've got plenty of barley in the back. I've been putting all kinds of bacteria from various companies and product. You know, it should be good to go. Yeah. But you know now there are nutrient problems. You know there's uh, you know because I haven't really there haven't been corals in it. I haven't really been paying attention to the water quality all that much. So, uh, you know, nitrates are high, phosphates are high, you know, things that can be dealt with. Though. Those are things you can deal with. Have you been getting, right? uh, so I've got, uh, you, you got, you sent me a, um, a video of, um, oops, I got the wrong one there. Let's see, uh, water box, uh, post pandemic here. So yeah, here's the, uh, here's the vent. Here's, I guess, I guess that's the male ventralis, um, yep. swimming around. Got some nice, uh, coralline going on the uh, rock. It doesn't look like you have an algae problem in that tank. I have no algae problem at the moment. So, again, if I get the nutrients under control, it should be good to go for corals, you know. So I'm basically toying with do I want to go down that road again um, and see if I can get that to be the tank that it was intended to be 
or do I want to just leave it as a fish-only tank where everything's happy and simple? And then I do have uh, a 40-gallon uh, cobalt um, all-in-one sort of tank that's kind of just has some random soft corals and it sort of duplicates what the big reef is now and it's kind of like it's silly to have a second tank doing the same thing so uh part of me says maybe i'll just turn that and try doing acros and that in a 40 gallon volume which i can really take care of almost everything just by doing water changes yeah it's a lot <laughs> easier than the uh, the larger tank yeah. so if if yeah. um all right so if you did have to, um, if you if you did try to give another go to the uh, to the water box in terms of acros, um, so now well, I added a sand bed already. So you got a sand bed in there already. All right, I put a sand bed in. It's a thin one. I would probably add a little more sand. Um, so besides the sand bed and, and the uh, drive versus live rock, anything else you would have done differently with that tank? Not that I can think of, you know, that's been the frustrating thing about it is, you know, I've like, you know, like we mentioned, I've been doing this a long time. I kind of know how to start a tank, <laughs> you know, I've, I've started many, I've, uh, you know, I, I've grown, as you can see, I've grown acros successfully, very successfully before. And this just didn't do what it was supposed to do, despite me doing what I always do. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, it's uh, frustrating. It is. I mean... You know, I think um, one thing that I've theorized too is is that, uh, and this this kind of comes back to the bacteria thing, is that <clears throat> the equipment that we have these days is a lot more e efficient, right? We've got much mm. stronger skimmers, the filtration, you know, the sumps or whatnot, mechanical filtration, yeah. it's much better. So, <clears throat> you know, is that pulling too much out of the water? Are we, are we, you know, is it too efficient? And is that stripping out the water to the point where, you know, you, you do have to dose bacteria now? Um, I don't know. I mean, when I was talking to, um, Sanjay about it, you know, he's like, um, you know, prove to me that bacteria are getting skimmed out. You know, I'd like to right. see data on that. Um, but I don't know. It's, 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 um, right. Yeah. That wouldn't be the case for my, I think you might be right for a lot of people. Um, that wouldn't be the case for my tank. Uh, it's not like it's a relatively under skimmed, you know what I mean? It's, I don't have like a giant filtration system on that one. In any of my tanks, really. Um, what, but, what do you um, what do you have uh, lighting on, on top of the water box? Uh, that's got uh, an uh, Illumagic uh, LED fixture. Um, just a nice lighting system. I usually use Radions in most of my systems. I had an opportunity to check out uh, something new. Um, don't think the lighting was the problem. Seen many beautiful systems using that lighting system. Yeah. Um, and. Um, you know, the Delua Great White skimmer on it, which is a fine skimmer for that size tank. And, you know, I keep it, you know, I'm not like an equipment guy, really. I'm not like, uh, never have been. Yeah, you no, know. I mean, listen, you don't have to like, you know, be too complicated in terms of having a great, uh, successful reef tank in, in, in terms of the gear right. and stuff like that, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get to the planted tank, yeah. let's, uh, let's show the, uh, the anemone, uh, tank. Oh, yeah. And um, so how, did, how, how was this impacted during the uh, pandemic? Um, not too bad. I mean, you know, they tend to like funky water to begin with. So um, <laughs> it's not a tank that I typically do a lot of maintenance on to begin with. They suffered a little. You can uh, they're a little bleachy. You can see they're not like bleached, but they're a little paler yeah. than they used to be. And, you know, they're recovering a bit now. Um, now that I'm, I'm around to give them a little more care, do a few water changes on them. But these anemones date back 
20 years or more. The original ones come from uh, Greg Scheimer. Some of you may remember Greg, a long time uh, seminal New York uh, area reef hobbyist who passed way too young. Um, and he, uh, he gave me two, I believe it's gotta be at least 20 years ago. I can't even remember when he gave them to me and they, they were in a different system, um, for most of their life. I moved them back to this system maybe four or five years ago. Um, not even four, maybe three years ago. Um, and, um, they, I've cloned themselves like crazy. I've given away three times as many as you see there over the years. Um, and they're actually, those of you who've been out to the Long Island Aquarium and seen the, uh, the giant anemone tank there, um, they're the same anemones. They all come from Greg. Actually. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So what, what advice would you have for somebody that wants to try to start up a tank like that? Like, you know, like a harem, a clownfish harem tank with a whole bunch of anemones in that. I mean, what's, what's the best way to go about doing that? Is it just luck at, at some point or? In terms of getting the anemones to thrive or? Just being able to have that many clownfish in the same tank. Oh, the clowns. Yeah, the clowns are interesting. Those are all Sanjay's uh, black photons. photons. So uh, I I think you got to put them in all at the same time and when they're small. And that's kind of like what the secret has been there. They all grew up together and, you know, they're they're used to being with each other. I think at a certain point, somebody's going to start getting some ideas about who's the boss. <laughs> oh, there um, really hasn't been any uh, clear cut. Uh... It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, there's a little like, you know, tail shaking and, you know, this is my anemone. You go over there kind of thing. But no chasing and no real... Uh, aggression and all and again it's, it's they've been in there three years together i guess yeah i um i love clownfish and i've always you know kept a pair in each tank and my new um peninsula tank which is six foot long by three foot wide by 20 inches tall i really wanted to get two pairs of clownfish in that tank you know i thought it was big enough and long enough to do that so um i had uh i had two different pairs and two different frag tanks so i put them in together you know, the pairs in together and, um, you know, they got along great. It was weird because the, uh, the pairs were kind of like mixing up at times, like one, one would be hanging out with the other and vice versa. But then it, but then at night they would all kind of like be sleeping together in one corner of the tank, which was bizarre. I mean, there's no enemies in this tank. And, uh, Uh and then unfortunately, like a few weeks ago, I lost one. So I've got three in the tank. And I'm like, all right, what are the odds of me being able to pick up a single clownfish, put that clownfish in that tank and, and um, you know, keep the fingers crossed that nothing's going to happen? I think you have a chance. I mean, it could go either way. It certainly needs to be the smallest of them if you're going to add one. Yeah. Or way bigger than all others. So here, here, here's an interesting be- thing because um, – I, uh, I'm not going to mention the company. Oh, they, they did me a solid. I, maybe I should mention the company. But um, so today I got, you know, I ordered a clownfish and um, online because I'm in the middle of nowhere and I, I really can't go to too many uh, local fish stores. So I pretty much get all my livestock right. online. So I got the, uh, deli- you know, delivery today came in and uh, I opened up the box and I wanted to have one clownfish to put into that tank and kept my, you know, keep my fingers crossed that it would uh, pair up with the uh, with the single clown and not get beat up by the other clownfish. Um, yet there was two clownfish in the box, so, <laughs> so they, I guess there's just an overabundance of clownfish that they uh, 
decided a lot of decided to send me a uh, an extra clownfish. So I don't know, Randy. I don't know what to do at this point. I put the two clownfish in uh, that they sent me in a frag tank, and um, yeah, you know, do I put two clownfish in with three clownfish? I think that's going to be. I don't know. What what would you do if you were in my shoes? That's a really good question. I don't know. Are you a gambling man? I don't know. Because I, I, I kind of feel bad about breaking them up, right? Because maybe right. they're like a, a pair. and So, um, I don't know, man. Set up a tank for them, Keith. Set up That's another tank? Do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got too much. Uh, much... Cloudfish, they really have personalities. Like, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes they're really compliant and mellow and sometimes they can be really nasty yeah no um, right i have a pair of uh lightning maroon clowns that are that's in that cobalt 40 that i was telling you about um beautiful fish you know but maroons can be real bastards yeah sometimes, they are pretty know. um tough you know, they bite your hand when you put them in never with these these nothing like no aggression towards any other fish i put in there and they don't pay any attention to me but you know, I know other maroons that are just like vicious. Yeah, I don't know. I might, I might. Uh, they're they are they're kind of like on the small side, so I want to um, keep them in the frag tank and like, you know, um, let them uh, get a little bit bigger. But maybe I'll just throw them in there and um, take. Maybe try an in tank acclimation box for a bit. See how the others react. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's definitely something. I find that to re- you know, that's you know, it's certainly nothing uh, revolutionary and new on my part, but I find those to be very very helpful. Uh, when introducing new fish, yeah. uh, just to, if it's just for a couple of days, you don't need to keep them in there too long. Um, if nothing else, you can observe them and uh, make sure they're eating well. And, and, yeah, and that's whatnot. a good idea. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, speaking of extra tanks, you uh, you picked up an extra one um, recently, right? Well, yeah. So the, the the flip side of the sad COVID story is um, I'm showing the video of it. Yeah, shortly before uh, COVID hit, um, a local hobbyist um, donated an entire uh, Red Sea uh, reefer system to us. Uh, for folks that don't know, this is you know this is not an aquarium shop or anything. This is a college campus. This is my office, which is the campus writing center, and I've just been able to like put tanks all over the place. I it's really awesome. Yeah, if you're uh, in Brooklyn, I have very understanding bosses, and you know to those that don't know Pratt, it's an art and design school. It's kind of a wacky place to begin with, and students just love it. So anyway. I, I was given this entire reef system, and then I was like, the last thing I need in my life is another <laughs> reef tank. <laughs> um, so I had the idea that something that I've always wanted to try, and that actually a number of the students um, are, were freshwater hobbyists, was I'd never really done a planted freshwater tank. So I figured, why can't I just turn this tank into a planted freshwater tank? I can still use the lights. I can use, you know, I won't use the sump. I can, you know, I could just modify it, make it into a very nice, hopefully a very nice planted freshwater tank. So that's what I did. And we set that up in uh, February, about a month or so before COVID hit. Um, and so we got that tank planted and set up and live aquaria donated a bunch of fish and we had, uh, it was looking really nice. And then the pandemic hit, but the, the good news is it doesn't care if I'm not there to take care of it so much. <laughs> right? So what happened was it thrived. Oh, wow. And, you know, 
So uh, with minimal care, you know, so the water evaporates a little. It's down an inch or two by the time I get there. No problem. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> right? There's no salinity to worry about. It doesn't matter, right? Even if the plants are sticking out of the water yeah. a little bit, it never cares. Oh, but that wouldn't even be a problem. You know, you put an automatic feeder on there, boom, you're done. Um, and it, it proved to be very, very easy to take care of comparatively. Now, I, I will add, this was set up with like Anubias and simple plants. Um, for those uh, serious freshwater folks out there, I'm in no way saying that a, a high-tech freshwater planted tank with CO2 and all that. No CO2 in this tank? Complicated or, no. Wow. That can't be as complicated or more complicated than, than caring for a reef tank. That I, I know that <laughs> to be true, but that's not what this tank is. All right. This is like simple, easy plants um, and a whole bunch of fish. You know, I'm sort of like, it's, it's a planted tank, but it's a fish tank. I know a lot of like planted tank guys are planted tank guys with a few fish. Right. That's not what I envisioned. I wanted a lot of fish. It looks incredible. With some plants. And it just thrived. And I loved it. So I would, you know, the depression of the reef situation that was going on, I was buoyed by, uh, by the success of the freshwater thing. Um, and um, that's been a, a really pleasant sort of uh, revisiting of sort of the origins of my hobby. Like most people was a freshwater tank when you were a kid or whatnot. And... Yeah. Um, so with that tank, as you you just showed the video, is like really really nice now. I'm very happy with it. Um, it's easy to get fish, tons of species to choose from. It's affordable. Uh, you know, it's like the entire cost of livestock in that tank is like the equivalent to a high end acanthophilia. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, so um, that's been a very pleasant um, sort of addition to my uh, hobby world um, to the point where, you know, while I was sitting there, you know, alone in the office watching my reefs fade and not really having the ability or the motivation to kind of like reboot them properly, I was able to take those little five, 10 gallon tanks that were just sitting in the corners collecting dust and set up a new freshwater tank every week or so very easily just by taking, uh, you know, some of the gravel from the big yeah. tank, do some plant cuttings and blah, blah, blah. And now we have about seven little freshwater tanks in addition to this oh, one geez. big one so it's, set up it's around spa It's place. spawning. It is spawning. So I actually, today, I, if, if you'll permit me to, to read, I actually have, uh, we have the 210-gallon reef. We have the water box 130 that we talked about. We have the 180-gallon anemone tank. We have the 40-gallon cobalt tank. We have the 110-gallon planted tank. We have a 72-gallon bowfront with a big eel in it that we've had forever. Um, that didn't mind COVID either. That eel doesn't care about anything. Uh, my assistant, Brian, has a little uh, three-gallon saltwater nano on his desk. I've uh, got a 20-gallon killifish tank and about six other freshwater nano tanks now in the office and a couple of rescue betas that students bestowed on me when they were forced to bail out of the dorms. Wow. In a minute's wow. So we have a lot of aquariums there. Um, and again, the freshwater ones are very easy to care for. So there's a lot, lot in number, but the actual amount of effort is pretty minimal. You know, I, um, I, before I started keeping reef tanks, I, I, I started with a, uh, with a planted 29-gallon planted tank. And um, 
Man, I did not have a green thumb. I um, I don't know what it was. I, I thought the reason why I wasn't having success was because I wasn't using uh, CO2. But um, I um, I just couldn't, you know, keep the plants growing. It was um, constantly I would, um, you know, put some plants in there and they wouldn't, um, there would be no growth and I would have to replace them. And, and it was just kind of like a, a losing battle for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I didn't know what, to, you know, again, I had no experience keeping a plant to tank at all. I mean, you know, I talked to some people, you know, I, I used good substrate. I have good line, you know, repurposed radions that I had that came with that tank and just run them on the freshwater setting. So, you know, it's, it's a low tech tank in the sense that there's no CO2 and I'm not trying to do anything really fancy and difficult with it, but it, it's kind of not exactly low, low tech either. It's, uh, it's kind of like mid tech because the lighting is very good and the substrate's very good. And, you know. I love your, uh, your choice of fish. My favorite freshwater fish when I had my uh, tank were, uh, Congo uh, Tetras. I think those yeah, are so, so cool when you get like a big school of them. And um, yeah, that that was uh, that was uh, always one of my favorite fish when I, when I was a, a lot younger too. And you know, but I never had the ability to keep a large school. And uh, big props to Live Aquaria there. They offered to send me some, and I opened the box, and there were thirty of them. Really? <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah. Jeez. So. <laughs> okay uh so they are definitely the dominant species in that tank you know i think a lot of people would say that tank is overstocked with fish which it probably is but i'm not quite sure what that means exactly you know they're happy they're healthy they're you know aesthetically maybe for some people it's overstocked but it's like you know we're getting the plants are growing some of the fish are breeding the fish are you know there's no aggression going on we're getting so a sure we're getting a lot of means. we're getting a lot of kudos uh for your uh, planted tank there and um Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, what else was I going to ask you? So let's uh, let's talk about Manhattan Reese, man. What's uh, what's up in Manhattan Reese? I know um, you know. Well, we're kind of in limbo. I mean, you know, for those of you, uh, you know, everybody's impacted by COVID, but those of us in New York City are were certainly more impacted than most, I think, and continue to be um in many ways just because of the conditions of the city so many people living so close together um and uh you know it just makes uh, gatherings of any sort yeah. really challenging um and you know there are city restrictions and all kinds of restrictions and whatnot and just you know sensible being sensible reasonable people um so we for many years on campus hosted a very uh you know active 400 person frag swap keats been many times um you know it, it was like a real fixture on the hobbyist scene in the tri-state area yeah i miss really seeing a lot of a lot of my friends there you know? you know we used to do two a year one at one i would host at proud and the other one would be at uh, pace university in manhattan uh we sort of lost access to the pace venue um in the past few years but you know the pratt one we did a really nice one that last one you were out it was one of our best swaps actually but there's just no way we can do one and finding additional venues in new york city is virtually impossible i mean unless you have an inn somewhere i mean there's no you know, it's just not possible really you know so um we would very much like to do a swap as soon as possible but i can barely i, I would have a hard time getting you personally on campus right now let alone 400 anonymous people right you know have you ever thought about um trying to find a location um you know 
outside of the city that might be uh it's possible you know yeah maybe but you know the long island group does their thing out on long island they do a good job with that so we don't want to sort of encroach on that um you know and uh, you know there's also like logistic stuff you know if you don't have the core people who are putting the thing on living in proximity to where it's going to be it becomes very very challenging yeah yeah you know no, it's true. So, so that that's where we're at, and you know, I know it's not just so easy to find a you know a, a school or a VHF hall in New York City that's going to let you do that, <laughs> especially right now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's different. I know it's different in other places. Or like renting a space in a hotel, just virtually, you know, absolutely impossible. I mean, it's it's just no way. You know? Have Have you guys thought about trying to do something? Um, you know. Um, more more um have a larger presence online i mean there's uh there's reefs.com and and you know reefs yeah um, I mean, yeah you know it's uh you know josh handle josh Saul handles most of that as opposed to me and we try but you know it's a struggle there's a lot of competition now yeah. you know um you know a lot of stuff has moved to facebook a lot of stuff has moved to uh, various uh, other places and uh, you know with, with the thing that grounded those communities in my mind uh, those online communities were the once or twice or three times a year big in-person event where people would really see each other and interact in person um and that enabled those online communities to really thrive at least that's my the way i see it and you sort of remove that sort of in-person thing everybody people drift away people just become sort of anonymous names on a board you know selling corals becomes the primary activity as opposed to sort of conversation and you know it, 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 it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a struggle i mean i'm not being critical of it i'm just saying it's changed you know i um i really enjoy the frag swaps i mean i think you know that that really at its core is it was what reef keeping is all about is is getting together and and seeing some old friends trading corals you know i mean that's what frag swaps are all about it's like not going and right. and um you know seeing the wallet vomit right it's going there if you right. got like you know some some nice corals and, and your reef keeping you know uh buddies have got some nice corals doing a swap i've been doing some swaps recently online right. with with uh, some reef keeping uh you know buddies so it's um you know that's the, that's kind of like the cool thing though being in person and being able to do that sort of Absolutely. thing and connecting with people yeah. and developing relationships that's the core of again that's super important to me like i was saying earlier it's like you know that, that aspect of it that, that you're talking about very much so but again the the sort of just the casual like person seeing interacting with my tanks and seeing them is really you know that's a for me, that's like a big, big part of the hobby. Um, thankfully, we've got a little bit of it back now. We have students back on camp. Uh, you know, I still can't get guests on very easily, though. So, you know, we used to, you know, we used to really be a hub for like, you know, the national and international sort of like, you know, reef guys that would come through the city. They would come to the office and, you know check stuff out we'd hang out we go to beers go to dinner whatnot and it's it's i just can't get them on campus right now it's, it's really frustrating yeah that's a drag that's a drag um yeah. all right I mean, we got we'll loosen up a little bit i think but, yeah. hopefully yeah. i mean hopefully it's gonna hopefully get uh, better soon um so we got a hey, we're going back to uh possibly talking about your uh water box here again randy uh Luis okay uh is asking can you ask Randy, if he's ever used Miracle Mud. I have not. You have not? I have not. Um, 
I remember back in the day, many beautiful tanks that were using Miracle Mud. Um, I think um, Mike Paletta has been posting yeah. some stuff on his Facebook page. Those of you who have access to that, uh, showing some really uh, uh, Lang's old uh, system, which is really beautiful, and some other tanks using Miracle Mud. I, I, you know, maybe that's the answer to my problem. I don't know. I've just never. Uh, I've never, never done tried. it either. I've yeah. never tried it either. But um, yeah, I know Mike has had. Uh, seems to love that stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michael Baldwin, I sent him some frags uh, yesterday. Everything arrived in excellent condition. <laughs> awesome, man. Send me some pictures. Send me some pictures. Tough there. time for shipping, too, right? The, the, it's, the uh, it this, is. Yeah. It is really tough, you know. Um, I um, definitely laid low during the holidays, but I've been, I sh I've been shipping a lot of stuff out this week, and, and, um, but yeah, you, um, I was afraid actually, because, you know, you, you, you see all these, um, you know, um, flights being canceled because right. people are out sick. So how does that impact the, uh, the freight companies, you know, in terms of FedEx, the overnight, uh, shipping companies? Right. I don't know. You know, right. are they impacted too? Or like you getting pilots that are calling in sick? Yeah, absolutely. that's a problem. And, you know, New York City in the best of times, shipping stuff is a pain in the butt because like, you know. You live in an apartment building. They got to get into the building. They, you miss the buzzer. They don't leave the package. Then you got to, you know, they leave it somewhere. Uh, you know, it's a half hour drive away to go pick it. You know, it's right. Have you so, been um, going to any uh, like local fish stores? Are you? Do you still like go out and about and um, check out I stuff? I have been to a few. I've been venturing out. You know, I've got to be. Uh, you know, still trying to be cautious around here. Uh, one of the reasons uh, folks may not know, I live with my 94 year old dad lives with us, so I need to be a little extra cautious. Um, but um, I, yeah, I have been going mostly for freshwater stuff recently, just because there's a bunch of really small kind of fun, funky little old freshwater shops around Brooklyn here that are, that are easy to get to. Yeah. Um, those to get to decent uh, saltwater stuff, so a bit more of a, a, a commitment to get there. Yeah. Um, uh, I did this weekend go to a big store out on Long Island that was both fresh and salt, which was, which was fun. It's, it's nice to get back out to stores. Um, how, um, how, how have you found the uh, local fish stores to be during the pandemic? I mean, is it, um, I'm, I'm assuming that they've kind of been, well, you know, I guess people are having more time to, you know, spend with their tanks and so maybe they're going out and perusing. I sense they're doing okay. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I can't speak to their bottom line really, but it seems like most of them are staying in business. And when I go there, I'm usually not the only person there. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I do think a lot of stores are sort of pivoting to freshwater to some degree though, or at least stores that were exclusively marine or, or sort of oh, thinking yeah. about in a freshwater element because it's just a much larger segment of the hobby um you know yeah no interesting so randy at the beginning i mentioned that um your um essentially reese.com is um now um i guess advanced aquarius is is the new banner you're operating under well, no, uh, reefs.com is, is the is the banner, um, and you know, so I was the editor for Reefs Magazine. Right, right, Reefs Magazine. I'm sorry. Right, right. Um, and we uh, had the opportunity to acquire um, Advanced Aquarist Magazine, the magazine that was run by my uh, by my mentor and longtime Pratt colleague Terry Siegel. Um, 
you know, um, so a couple of years ago, we were, we were given the opportunity to acquire Advanced Aquarist, and uh, we did so. And since that clearly had the larger brand name over Reefs Magazine, we decided to fold everything into Advanced Aquarist. So all the Reefs Magazine materials available still okay. under on reefs.com, but under the Advanced Aquarist banner. Well, to be honest, we haven't really done much uh, with Advanced Aquarist for a variety of reasons, but uh, we plan to sort of reinvigorate it in the, in, the, in the coming year, start publishing some new material, start recycling some of the, the, the greatest hits from the, from the very vast catalog of, of quality stuff. And uh, so that, that's kind of the, where that sits right now. What about um, trade shows? So I know um, Reefs.com has been at uh, some Reefapaloozas and, and what have you, but I guess you guys didn't make the last one in New Jersey. Is the plan to, um, you know, depending on what's going on with COVID, get back it into the trade show circuit? Yeah, it depends what's going on with COVID, really. Um, you know, for us, we don't have a, like a, a product to sell yeah. necessarily. So it's, it's really uh, more just like a branding event for us. So, you know, it's, it's, it's got to work for everybody who's, you know, you know, people, you know, people have to commit to manning yeah. the table and doing, you know, and doing all that. But yeah, we like going to the events just because we like seeing all the people and, you know, we like, you know, we usually, we hold raffles and we just, you know, try to do some fun stuff there and just sort of get the, get the, get the word out. Um, but yeah, I, I would hope we, uh, start resuming doing that, you know. What about um, Magna next uh, September? I mean, if, you know, if you guys don't, as an organization I, don't go, would you go? Yeah, I intend to go. I've been to every Magna since Louisville, the second Louisville in the, the late 1990s. Um, so, yeah, I personally intend to go. I don't know if Reefs.com will have a, a presence or not. That's... We haven't really discussed that yet, but it's possible. But, you know, again, pandemic, uh, assuming I will yeah. definitely. I, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I, would, I, 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 I am planning on going, but if, um, well, who knows what it's going to look like in September, right? I mean, right. who it's, knows? It's just impossible to predict anything, I know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm toying with, you know, uh, Masna is actually putting on a second show a uh, combined uh, freshwater saltwater show in atlanta in april early april um that's a new thing for them and i'm kind of interested in going to that too but you know who knows what's going on in april you know i can't you know it's hard to commit to these things right now. i know i you know at, at this point i i um i am planning on going to the uh the reef of palooza in in june assuming that we've uh we'll get through this um this big yeah. spike but if it, right. if it keeps going up, then maybe not. <laughs> right. And I'd like to go to an Aquashella sometime, too. I've never been to one of those. I'm, but I, you know, it's sort of like, you know, not exactly my demographic, but I hear it's a great, they do a yeah. great job. So it would be fun. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so, Randy, what else, man? What, uh, what, do you, what, so what do you think in terms of the future, um, you know, for the tanks at... Uh, at Pratt, what? Uh... Well, you know, I'm real, I'm real happy with the the rebuild of the, of, of the big reef. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, for that tank, you know, I want to keep it simple, but I do plan on, uh, you know, adding some uh, not particularly challenging, um, you know, LPS um, and maybe some Zoas. I'm gonna send so, you a whole bunch of Zoas. 
okay, cool. That's great. <laughs> you know, so that kind of stuff. So just sort of like uh, balancing out like the, the livestock profile there a little bit, adding little pops of color here and there. I probably want to add some more fish to the system. Got a really cool thing going on right now with a pair of Genacanthus Watanabe in that tank. Oh, um, right. I had a pair for a long time, um, nine, ten years, a really nice pair. And I lost the male. That that's one fish I did lose during COVID. I don't know if it was related to neglect or it was just his time to go. It was hard to say. Um, uh, but I lost the male. And as uh, some of you may know, it's very hard to find healthy adult male Genocanthus angels. Um, so I've had this female in there for uh, you know close to you know year, year and a half now, um, and she got really big and fat and. Um, a friend of mine was breaking down his tank a few weeks ago and happened to have another female uh, Genocanthus Watanabe, uh, which is something I was going to, planning on trying to acquire one or two more in hopes of turning my large female male. So he actually gave me his female and a couple other fish. And within a week, my female started changing sex. Really? Wow. And and is now a week on, I'd say, 80% of the way there. It's really remarkable. I've been trying to document it every day, uh, taking photos. Uh, so that, that's been kind of fun. I, um, I had never had a fish, well, besides Anthias, but I had never had a fish change sex while I, while I was in my care until uh, about a year ago. And... Um, so I have um, three leopard wrasses in the 187-gallon tank. I've got a Chiodi leopard wrass, which I love. It's jumped out twice. Well, it, it's jumped one of, the rare, yeah. one of the rare ones that lived. Yeah, it, um, it's jumped out twice, but um, it's still there. <laughs> well, and, and, and the first time it jumped out, I found it, and it was actually sort of dried out. Put it in the tank, and it's just miraculously... Uh, back up. That's amazing, yeah, too. Yeah, it is amazing. Right. Um, yeah. And then I also have a... Um, a, uh, a black spotted leopard wrasse, which is a cool fish, and a, um, I guess it was a, a female African leopard wrasse. The, the bipartitis? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, after a couple of years, so I came down one day <clears throat> looking at the fish tank, and all of a sudden I saw this wrasse that I had never seen before in my fish tank and it like freaked me out. I was like, what the hell is this? Who put this tank? I was like, what? Right. What the hell? It's like completely changed like overnight. I guess right. it the turned to male. With that same fish, I have a, had a trio of females of the bipartitis and for years, like years, they were a solid trio. And then um, all of a sudden they started picking on one of the three out of nowhere and they killed off one and then there was this pair of females and then just like you one day i came in and i was like what the hell what, what fish is that? he's messing with me right and one of them had changed and like you know it, it changed significantly in right like the day or two before i noticed the change and then over the next week or so it fully changed now it's a gorgeous yeah it's a gorgeous, gorgeous fish now it, it, it harasses the remaining female constantly though do you think i could add another uh, female in there or is that just probably yeah that i would do a very slow introduction and acclimation box yeah and you have to put some sand in the acclimation box to put yeah. that right. Yeah. yeah. I um, I love those fish, but I love the females, you know? So it would be uh, right. it would be nice to have another female in there. But yeah, I'm not sure I want to roll the dice. Uh Chris from uh yeah, right. Chris from ACA Agriculture 
Oh, hey, Chris. Is uh, asking, does Randy have any room in his tanks? Laugh out loud. <laughs> so, do have any room in my yeah, tanks? What, meaning it, that... It depends, uh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> depends on the tank? <laughs> it depends on the tank. It depends what uh, what I might want to add. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's always room for more, as we all know. Um, um, so, so speaking of uh, changing sex in terms of fish, <clears throat> one fish that I love... Is a Japanese mass uh, swallowtail mm. angelfish. The semifasciatus? Yeah. yeah. And um, a couple of times I put a trio of females in my tank, hoping that one would turn male. And it has not worked out that way. It has not worked yep. out. I had the same exact experience with a trio of semifasciatus. Um, never changed. They just never changed. And then they. Slowly, like they killed off one, they killed yeah, off the that's other. That's what happened. And the remaining one turned into a very ugly fish. And was, <laughs> I still have one left. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a it's huge, <laughs> right? And uh, that, that that's my experience with that with 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 that species as well. But yeah. um, the thing that um, is is interesting is that these days those fish and and um, you know the angels you're talking about not cheap. It seems like no. prices have gone up a lot. Prices have gone up a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why. I and mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it seems certainly for people who've been in the hobby a long time, it's like really noticeable how much prices have gone up. I, I, I understand the sort of market pressures on it and why. And, you know, I think there's cases to be made for the hobby being a little expensive, not necessarily being a bad thing in the sense that it forces people to really care for what they're putting money down but on the other hand the barrier to entry for uh, for a reef tank is getting really really steep and it's hard to hard to get new people in i think yeah i mean there are a lot of corals out there that um you know beautiful corals that you could really you know get on the cheap if um yeah. if you know how to find them and all that stuff you know fish um you know i, I guess there's you know there's fish out there that uh fish are not yeah, terribly fish but yeah fish, you know, Fish prices have really, really gone up. Um, you know, I you know I love fairy wrasses. I like you know I've, I've always kept a lot of fairy wrasses. I don't have any right now, and and I really got sticker shock when I went to like you know check some out. You know, like uh, a fairy wrasse that used to be ninety bucks is like three hundred and fifty bucks now. Right. I mean, I understand in terms of um, you know like Hawaii being shut down and and yeah. uh, other areas that are difficult to um, you know collect yeah. fish in. Supply supply chain stuff, freight costs. I understand all the pressures, but still, you know, I, you know, some people are, you know, I've always been like, this is not a good investment in terms of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? You, you, you're investing in something that's got just as good a chance of dying as it does of thriving. So, you know, when, when, when something gets up there into the many hundreds of dollars, uh, personally, I like give pause. Which yeah, is, I mean, I would love to try the Ventralis um, Antheus. I really would, yeah. but I think you got you got pretty lucky because I did. I did. You got you got a great uh, connection there in terms of a uh, you know right. from Kevin and and you know right. a, a group that he gave his uh, thumbs up to in terms of being exactly. well conditioned. But those yeah. those fish are not cheap, right? I mean, you're probably talking no, three hundred dollars per fish or something, uh, yeah, maybe yeah, more. Know was on them right now but um yeah i mean uh, you know yes so again not not cheap you know which brings me back to the freshwater thing you know it's like for somebody who's just getting started 
you know, I want to, you know, I'm a marine hobbyist. I love the marine hobby, but for somebody that's really just getting started, start with a freshwater yeah. tank. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> build a really beautiful freshwater tank and cut your teeth and, uh, you know, learn to love the hobby and, like, you know, sort of the, the basics are the same in terms of, you know, setting up a stable system and a cycle and, you know, lighting and water movement and water chemistry. You know, it's like, you know, learn the stuff. And then, you know, when, when, you, when, when you're, you're set, you can, you can kind of venture into the marine side of things. This is, this is kind of where, where, where I, I've sort of come back to. I mean, it's possible to, I mean, many people just start with saltwater stuff and have uh, very good success, but I think sort of rare. I don't know yeah. it's the smartest way to go. Yeah. yeah. Chris uh, saying that, um, and I was going to bring this up, freight alone has everything to do with the fish pricing lately. Thank, yeah. thank COVID for that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. Yeah, I'm sure. Reap, yeah. reap the sea forever. Remember the day when you can get yellow tanks for twenty bucks and Achilles tanks for forty five dollars. Laugh out loud. Yep, yeah. it's true. Yeah, those days are uh, sort of long gone. Yeah. Well, Randy, I, man, any uh, anything else you wanted to uh, mention well, or say? I to say, you know, I, I I think that you know that there's a lot of good stuff happening in the hobby too. Um, I think the 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 aquaculture side of things is uh, very encouraging. I'm wearing my Biota shirt here. Oh, there you go. There, <laughs> um, I think uh, there are company amongst others that are doing some really good work. Um, you know, cult, culture and fish, um, kind of leading the. The sustainable hobby movement, which I think is important. I'm not opposed to wild caught things if it's done responsibly, but I think uh, aquaculture has a big role to play, and I think it's going to inevitably be uh, increasingly a bigger, bigger part of the hobby just because of uh, the nature of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and uh, anything we can do to support the folks who are who are doing it right, we should we should do. Here, here, yeah, yeah. So, um, anything else you wanted to plug in terms of uh, Reese.com? I mean, Advanced Aquarius. Well, no, please come check us out. There's a lot of good content on there. And there's like sort of daily up-to-date kind of stuff. Richard Beck. Um, Richard's um, awesome. Leonardo does all his uh, videos posted up there. And we stream a lot of content from other. We stream your stuff. We, do, we stream Title Garden stuff. So that you, you can find a lot of stuff in one place there, as well as a bunch of original content. And then there's tons of uh, back catalogs stuff uh, all the reefs magazine articles which i help produce the advanced aquarist stuff um, there's active bulletin boards there marketplace there's tons of stuff there we're a very inclusive community um and uh we, we pride ourselves on that and um so come check us out cool all right, Randy. Well, listen, man. It was uh, it was great talking to you again. I guess um, you know we shouldn't uh, shouldn't be so long in between uh, chats, but I guess given the the uh, the environment we're in today, online is uh, good enough. At least uh, we could see one another. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. It's really uh, really fun talking uh, with you, and I, I hope uh, hope it was interesting for folks yeah. out there. All right. Well, listen, everybody. Uh, appreciate tuning in. I want to thank. Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine again for being sponsors of the live stream. And um, thanks to all of you out there watching. Also want to remind you folks that all episodes of Wrapping Reef Bum are now available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. My next live stream will be next Thursday, January 13th. I'm going to have Mark Levinson on, so that should be another uh, great show. So please uh, tune in then. Until then, be safe, and we'll see you next time.